Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. chapter well the chapter that we're starting with is called homeward bound and it's more like tearward bound joey this is our last book episode i know i don't know what to make of that or how to feel about it yeah i feel i feel kind of weird we'll talk about it when we get into the meat of the episode yeah i am sad about coming to the end of the journey and weirdly not as sad about the chapter's themselves as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. There were some There's some there's that... some moments. Yeah. So we are discussing chapters seven, eight, and nine of book six, which are the final three chapters in all of the Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. Don't say it like that. I'm don't sorry, don't say it the way, true that's, way. That's the way it is. Yeah. This first chapter, chapter seven, Homeward Bound we have previously discussed uh with Mary Clay. Mary Clay, yes, on Tolkien about pod. But now we get to talk about it at length. Yeah, no 20-minute episodes here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh is there anything? Oh, also, hi, I'm Joey. My pronouns are they and he. I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are they then, and I'm t- I'm teary. Yeah, well, it, this starts out with such a, like, gut punch, I feel. We start, I feel like we start as sad as it's gonna be. Yeah, in, in some ways, yes. They've left Rivendell, they're riding back to the Shire. It was the 6th of October, and Frodo has been ill at ease and silent. The 6th of October being the anniversary of his, yes, wound from Weathertop. And Gandalf asks him if he's in pain, and he says, Yes, it is my shoulder. The wound aches, and the memory of darkness is heavy on me. It was a year ago today. 
Alas, there are some wounds that cannot be wholly cured, said Gandalf. I fear it may be so with mine, said Frodo. There is no real going back. Though I may come to the Shire, it will not seem the same, for I shall not be the same. I am wounded with knife, sting, and tooth, and a long burden. Where shall I find rest? Gandalf did not answer. I think we talked about this in that other episode, but like Gandalf's lack of response here, I am reading as compassionate. He is being present with Frodo and you cannot just like glibly, you know, it'll be fine, buddy. sayings at things. Right. Exactly. Like Gandalf is not going to give Frodo a false answer. He's going to just like be with him. Yeah. I, I think I read this, especially with, like, we know Gandalf sees farther, yeah. farther afield and farther forward than other people do. And I think this is him. I think he, he knows what that answer is for Frodo and, like, cannot answer it for him. Like, Frodo needs to answer that for himself yeah. in his own time. So I think that's a very intentional silence on Gandalf's part. Yeah. And then I'm going to read just a couple more lines. By the end of the next day, the pain and unease had passed, and Frodo was merry again, as merry as if he did not remember the blackness of the day before. Although when they pass Weathertop, he has a hard time, but is is fine afterward. Um, Tolkien, I mean, we've talked about this at length, but the... I don't know. He's just so good at capturing experiences and the experience of having trauma and illness and like whatever else is like, it is not the same. It's not the same all the time. Yeah. It is a variable experience. Anything else on that front before we get to Brie? Um, no, I have kind of a larger tonal note about everything that happens in Brie and in the Shire when they get there. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't need to get into that now if you don't want to. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, detail here. I in, don't like, need it, how... yeah. <laughs> we, we don't need to right. talk about We're it that not... much. No. Um, the point is, they get to Bree. They're met with suspicion. I do want to say, when they came to Bill Fernie's house, they saw that the hedge there was tattered and unkempt, and the windows were all boarded up. Do you think you killed him with that apple, Sam? Said <laughs> Pippin. I'm not so hopeful, Mr. Pippin, said Sam, but I'd like to know what became of that poor pony. He's been on my mind many a time, and the wolves howling and all. Yeah. <laughs> Little Bill. Little Bill. Um, and then they get to the prancing pony. Butterbur is very excited to see them. Yeah, there is this moment that I really like, which is like they walk in and they're kind of greeted by Nob, who was there at the Prancing Pony last time, and Nob calls, Mr. Butterbur, master, they've come back, and Butterbur comes out with a a club, and he's like, (laughs) he's like ready to fuck shit up. Yeah. He says, Nob, you woolly-pated ninny, can't you give old friends their names? You shouldn't go scaring me like that with times as they are. Which is just great. I, you lo- you gotta love a, like, miscommunication yeah. at a time like this. Yep. There's a recurring theme that we're gonna see here of, like, everything the hobbits have gone through being sort of, like, unparsable to people in Bree and the Shire. If they're even interested in understanding it in the first place, which people aren't. <laughs> right. And here we have, like, 
to Nob, it's like, yeah, a year ago, these guys came through and now they're back. And yes, things have happened in the interim, but it's that's like a major yeah. thing. And it is just like the, I don't know, the sense of scale of like time and events for sort of both parties here is interesting. It's in conversation with the thing we've talked about, which is like, the more the hobbits do and experience in the world, like the less they become hobbits, not of their own volition, but like their experiences mm -hmm. change then and how like in some ways we see that reversed, like Frodo and Sam at the end of their journey, like are kind of stripped of some of those things and are referred to like by the narrative voices hobbits again. And then you put them in the context of other hobbits and see that like that isn't that isn't exactly the case. Yeah. I was thinking about the fucking Chronicles of Narnia. Ah. And the, like, you know, time passing in Narnia without time passing in real life right. thing that happens, which has always, like, freaked me out a little. Well, mostly the thing that freaks me out is the idea of a person growing up into an adult and then having, having to go to be a child to being in society. An eight-year-old. Right. <laughs> yes. But what I had not really thought about is like that just makes, you know, much more explicit the way C.S. Lewis loves to make things so explicit that he is hitting you over the head with them. But the way experiences, you know, change and age you and how it can be, I don't know, jarring to come back from war, for example, <laughs> feeling like it's kind of been this whole lifetime that that you have experienced all of this other stuff. And for everyone else, you know, it's only been a year and they expect you to be the same in a way that you're not. Uh, unparsable is a good, a good word for it, like you said earlier. Yeah. Um... So they hang out with Butterbur and get news and tell news and find out that there's been more weird folk about and that there was like a little, uh, I don't know, fight at some point. And now some people live like outside as robbers, including Bill Fernie. Yeah. And Pippin is like, oh, that's weird because we just traveled through this land that you're talking about and like we didn't no one gave us any shit yeah um and butterbur's like well yeah because you're fucking wearing armor and carrying swords and then then the hobbit suddenly realized that people had looked at them with amazement not out of surprise at their return so much as in wonder at their gear they themselves had become so used to warfare and to riding in well-arrayed companies that they had quite forgotten that the bright mail peeping from under their cloaks and the helms of Gondor and the Mark and the fair devices on their shields would seem outlandish in their own country. And Gandalf, too, was now riding on his tall gray horse. Horse? Horse. All clad in white, with a gray mantle of blue and silver overall, and the long sword glamdering at his side. Speaking... Of horses. Yeah. There was also a horse reference earlier that we skipped over where it said, well, take the guest's ponies to the stables, Nob, and you'll be taking your horse to his stable yourself, Gandalf, I don't doubt. A fine beast, as I said when I first set eyes on him. Okay, just had to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay, speaking of horses, Butterbur realizes that there's something else he has been forgetting. Um, <laughs> Butterbur, surely and not. says, I have something that belongs to you. If you recollect Bill Fernie and the horse thieving, his pony as you bought, aka Bill the Pony, well, it's here. Come back all of itself it did. But where it had been to, you know better than me. It was as shaggy as an old dog and as lean as a clothes rail, but it was alive. Nobs looked after it. What? My bill? cried Sam. Well, I was born lucky, whatever my gaffer may say. There's another wish come true. Where is he? Sam would not go to bed until he had visited Bill in his stable. Uh, wow. It's really good. There's also, um, before that, we talked about this um, on that other podcast, but we should talk about it here, too. There's mm-hmm. a great moment where Gandalf is like, well, like, things are changing. Like, there's a king. Like, you'll be seeing oh, yeah. him soon. And Butterbur is like, oh, prob- like, probably not around here. Like, kings don't really fuck with us. And he says, and it will be good for business, no doubt, so long as he lets Bree alone. He will, said Gandalf. He knows it and loves it. Does he now, said Butterbur, looking puzzled. Though I'm sure I don't know why he should, sitting in his big chair up in his great castle, hundreds of miles away. And drinking wine out of a golden cup, I shouldn't wonder. What's the pony to him? Or mugs a beer? Not but what my beer's good, Gandalf. It's been uncommon good since you came in the autumn of last year and put a good word on it. And that's been a comfort in trouble, I will say. Ah, said Sam, but he says your beer is always good. He says. Of course he does. He's Strider, the chief of the rangers. Haven't you got that into your head yet? (laughs) Which is really good. I I love, this part feels very Shakespearean about like, kind of like mistaken identities with butterbeer is really good. Yeah. And we were also. But with Butterbur. Butterbeer is something oh, that we shall not speak of. Yes, from the um the cursed wastelands of culture. Yes. We also <laughs> we were speculating it says Gandalf put a good word on the beer, so we were speculating that Gandalf used his <laughs> unknowable power yeah, to he did. He fucking he he magic blessed yeah. the beer, which is evidence that when he magic blesses Bill It it meant something. That is he... why Bill came home. Yes. He gave Bill a spell of protection. Yeah. Also, they they have been hearing that things are weird in the Shire, but they don't have a lot of details yet. Anyways, they leave the Prancing Pony. They wished him farewell and rode away and passed through the West Gate and on towards the Shire. Bill the Pony was with them, and as before, he had a good deal of baggage, but he trotted along beside Sam and seemed well content. And then Gandalf says, I am with you at present, but soon I shall not be. I am not coming to the Shire. You must settle its affairs yourselves. That is what you have been trained for. Do you not yet understand? My time is over. It is no longer my task to set things to rights, nor to help folk to do so. And as for you, my dear friends, you will need no help. You are grown up now, grown indeed very high among the great you are, and I have no longer any fear at all for any of you. But if you would know, I am turning aside soon." I'm going to have a long talk with Bombadil, such talk as I have not had in all my time. He is a moss-gatherer, and I have been a stone doomed to rolling, but my rolling days are ending, and now we shall have much to say to one another. Do you have thoughts on kind of either of these paragraphs? We've talked about kind of the echoing between the beginning and the end in terms of like the fellowship breaking off one by one, but it's happening here as Mm -hmm. well, like... 
when they first leave the Shire, they're doing it like on Gandalf's behest, but without his yeah. help. And so here at the end, mm-hmm. they're in the same situation, although, you know, they're different now. Yeah. When Gandalf says, do you not yet understand? My time is over. It is no longer my task to set things to rights. There's there's this broader sense of scale happening, right? And, and the age of Gandalf and... Elrond and Galadriel and whoever else who are in in certain ways like stewards like we've talked about Gandalf as a steward but that that age is ending and a new one has begun and Gandalf is acknowledging that his role as a steward has been fulfilled. He also explicitly says when he comes back like from the dead for a specific purpose and time and that is it. Yes. And he has exceeded that, you know? We've talked some about Frodo in in many ways just being, like, he's just a person who steps up. And and I think you tend to see more. I mean, I can see it, but because of my religious background, I am, like, very attuned to sort of all the elements of, like... Messiah figure. (laughs) Well, and, like... Uh, there are references all through this book of like what is meant to happen and like prophecies and, and I mean, even the way Gollum is talked about all the time, especially by Gandalf, that like he has a role to play yet mm-hmm. um, is, is very much in line with there being some kind of higher power influencing things or having a plan for things or whatever. And so this fits into those sorts of ideas a little bit. Yeah. Following that conversation that we just had, too, about, like, Gandalf's non-response to Frodo asking when I get rest. Like, Mm, this feels mm -hmm. like this is, even though it's spoken to the group, it is spoken especially to Frodo. Like, do you you not yet understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's that. And then I have a thought about the Bombadil thing. And I think I probably said this in the other podcast, but I, I don't remember because I also thought about it afterwards and I don't know how well I articulated it there, but like Tom Bombadil exists in many ways. He is existence. Like he is being, Mm -hmm. he has been and will be and, and is, and Gandalf has been doing Right, and and Gandalf's time of doing is over. Right, and now he gets to go be in in relationship with being. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Which I just, it's, yeah, it's nice. It is. <sighs> um, so, they say goodbye. The, like, the hobbits don't get it yet like Gandalf is like y'all better hurry or you aren't gonna make the gate and Mary is like gates like there's no gates here and Gandalf is like well okay you'll manage all right goodbye dear friends not for the last time not yet goodbye and then I I love to end with shadow facts on like one of our favorite running motifs about him. Oh yeah. He turned shadow facts off the road and the great horse leaped the green dike that here ran beside it. And then at a cry from Gandalf, he was gone racing toward the Barrow Downs like a wind from the North. 
and then we have to talk about the last line of the chapter because these, this is where this is where he always gets us. Well, here we are, just the four of us that started out together, said Mary. We have left all the rest behind, one after another. It seems almost like a dream that has slowly faded. Not to me, said Frodo. To me, it feels more like falling asleep again. Hmm. Mary, Mary says the thing we were just talking about. We have yes. left all the rest behind one after another. Yeah. What do you think Frodo's line here is about? Is there like a specific meaning that you... No, I'm just, I feel like I kind of get it, but I'm kind of like, I'm not sure what what it's really getting at. And I guess I'm wondering if you have thoughts or can flesh it out. I mean, to me, I think he's just speaking to that feeling of internal displacement. Mm. It's a pleasant dream, but it's a dream nonetheless. Like, even if it's nice, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. Like, in the way that you fit and belong there isn't mm-hmm. solid or, or whole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was just having a hard time. I don't know. I guess, like, pinning down what the positive or negative implications of that feeling were, but that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it could also be like on a more like metaphysical sense. Like we know that Frodo is literally leaving this world for another. Like his attachment to this world, mm-hmm. it, it's been like inverted. Like because he's had he's had like visions before. Like he saw right Gandalf in a dream when they were leaving the Shire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily there's a lot to dig into there, but that's at least what the feeling spoke to to me. Yeah. Chapter eight, the scouring of the Shire. This whole thing is Mm -hmm. a lot goofier or lighter in tone than I remembered it being. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand people people die. People are imprisoned like that is not a joke, Mm -hmm. but Especially after the things that they've been through, like, this does not feel of a piece with the conflicts that they have just survived. And it's mostly them laughing at these, like, cronies back home. Yeah, it just, it feels, I don't know, it feels tonally a little strange to me. Yeah. Let's, maybe, let's, let's talk through it and then see if we still feel that way at the end. Okay, yeah. I think it will, it will be easy to get bogged down in this chapter and so I want to, you know, be selective about. I don't have what we a hit. lot pulled out for this chapter, so. Yeah, I mean, the big shape of it is that they find out that there are a lot of sort of guards and sheriffs and things who enforce a lot of new rules. There's a lot of wood and food rationing. You know, dissent gets you thrown in jail. Yeah, and these sheriffs, importantly, are a combination of of hobbits from the Shire and of men. Right, like outsiders. Yeah, yeah, that's a good overview. <laughs> my first, my first thing is right here on this first page, which is that the first person they meet yes. is named Hob Hob Hayward, and I, Tolkien was really on one here because within the last couple of pages, we've had Nob, Bob, and Hob. Nob and Bob from The Prancing Pony and now Hob. Yep. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. 
The hobbits are having none of it. They're like, um, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to follow your rules. And they like tear up signs and sort of, you know, force things. And because they have this like confidence and Merry and Pippin are bigger than they used to be. And also they have armor and swords. Merry and Pippin are uncommonly large yes. and strong looking now. <laughs> they went away on their adventures and came yeah. back swole. Um, they're able to do that. We have a Bill Fernie cameo here. We, we do have to, because this is Bill the Ponies. Oh, yeah. Yes. So Bill Fernie flinched and shuffled to the gate and unlocked it. Give me the key, said Mary. But the ruffian flung it at his head and then darted out into the darkness. As he passed the ponies, one of them let fly with his heels and just caught him as he ran. He went off with a yelp into the night and was never heard of again. Neat work, Bill, said Sam, meaning the <laughs> pony. Extremely good. <laughs> he can do a zinger when he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, meaning the pony, is extremely good. And yep. ever, so everyone that they meet, um, meeting all these levels of like ineffective sheriffs who keep telling them about the chief, who they mm-hmm. take to mean um, Lotho Baggins, who Frodo left Baggins to. Yes. Who, along the way, like we find out through this chapter that Lotho was sending. Like, even prior to Frodo leaving, Lotho was in communication with Saruman. He was sending pipeweed and then more and more supplies and getting money in return and buying up a lot of property. So he was already sort of trying to monopolize things. And then that just increased uh, once Frodo was gone. And then outsiders came in and then eventually something else happened which we'll we'll get to oh i want to read when they encounter a large band of sheriffs with staves in their hands and feathers in their caps looking both important (laughs) and rather scared what's all this said frodo feeling inclined to laugh this is what it is mr baggins said the leader of the sheriffs a two-feather hobbit (laughs) You're arrested for gate-breaking and tearing up of rules and assaulting gatekeepers and trespassing and sleeping in shire buildings without leave and bribing guards with food. The capitalization is important here, which is all of these are (laughs) capitalized. And Sam says, I can add some more if you'd like it. Calling your chief names, wishing to punch his pimply face and thinking you sheriffs look a lot of Tom fools. At which point uh, they get placed under arrest and Frodo just laughs it off. Frodo says, don't be absurd. I am going where I please in my own time. I happen to be going to Bag End on business, but if you insist on going too, well, that is your affair. <laughs> the leader said, very well, Mr. Baggins said the leader, but don't forget I've arrested you. I won't said Frodo never, but I may forgive you. <laughs> it's fi- yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's very, yeah. Tonally, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, it's funny, but... I mean, I guess, like, my take here is that they are well up to this challenge, right? Like, they have seen things outside of the Shire and tested their own strength and, like, are not going to be cowed by this now. I think as the chapter goes on, they experience more... It it escalates, yeah grief because they realize just how bad things have been right but 
it is initially there is a lot of a lot of humor initially yeah and then uh, so in this group that is escorting is like has put them under arrest even though mary and pippin are making this group like walk in front of them mm-hmm. <laughs> um sam notices one who he recognizes and is essentially like hey what the fuck are you doing robin smallborough uh who used to be a sheriff like years before when it was mm-hmm. a-, a different thing these books feel kind of eternally relevant and when Sam mm-hmm. is asking this guy, like, hey, why are, you, why are you helping these outsiders and these scumbags, like, be dicks to your neighbors and people you've known all your life? Uh, mm-hmm. He's like, what can I, like, what can I do? You know how I went for a sheriff seven years ago before any of this began. But now it's different. And Sam says, you can give it up. Stop sheriffing if it has stopped being a respectable job. Robin says, we're not allowed to. Sam says... If I hear not aloud much oftener, I'm going to get angry. Yes. And then, I love this part, Robin says, Can't say as I'd be sorry to see it. If we all got angry together, something might be done. But it's these men, Sam, the chief's men. He sends them round everywhere. And if any of us small folks stand up for our rights, they drag them off to the lock holes. This whole, this whole chapter, I was just like, unionizing. Unionizing. Yeah, yeah Sam importantly says, then why do you do their work for them? Yeah. My next note says de-arresting because this this party that is walking with them and looking silly, like Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin have already shown that they can't be fucked with, but another older hobbit kind of like heckles the party as they walk by. As they walk by, not pie. And mm-hmm. um, these guards go to fuck with them. Mary says, order your fellows back to their places at once if you don't want me to deal with them. Mm-hmm. It's de-arresting in action. It's like, hell yeah, you love to see it. Yeah. So two things here. One, this escort along, which it describes as rather comic. It says, Mary, Pippin, and Sam sat at their ease, laughing and talking and singing, while the sheriff stumped along trying to look stern and important. Frodo, however, was silent and looked rather sad and thoughtful. And I think part of the tonal thing happening here is that I think we are feeling what Frodo is feeling. Yeah. The others have not been affected in, like, they've been affected, but not in the same way he has. And they are able to, I don't know, greet this with lightness in a way that he is not. Mm. And there is a, a sort of a disconnect there. Yeah, yeah. And we see that, you know, in how they approach things, too. Like, one, Mary takes charge, which is nice to see, because Mary, in the beginning of these books, was, like, extremely competent and was the person who would, like, make plans and, you know, make things happen. And we see that coming out again. And two, you know, Frodo is like, just try not to kill anybody, (laughs) Yeah, actually, I think um, we should read the little bit before that, too, because that's that's relevant to what you're saying. Yeah, okay. So they're talking about, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, like, things are not what we expected. And Mary says, we've come back none too soon. Frodo says, not a day too soon. Perhaps too late, at any rate, to save Lotho. Miserable fool, but I am sorry for him. Save Lotho? Whatever do you mean, said Pippin. Destroy him, I should say. I don't think you quite understand things, Pippin, said Frodo. Mm-hmm. Lotho never meant things to come to this pass. He's been a wicked fool, but he's caught now. 
The ruffians are on top, gathering, robbing, and bullying, and running or ruining things as they like, in his name, and not in his name even for much longer. He's a prisoner in Bag End now, I expect, and very frightened. We ought to try and rescue him. And then, yeah, and then Frodo's like, we should really endeavor, like, not to hurt anyone if we have that option. And Mary responds, but if there are many of these ruffians, it will certainly mean fighting. You won't rescue Lotho or the Shire just by being shocked and sad, my dear Frodo. Yeah, which is... Yeah, yeah, it's really good. There There is an interesting thing going on here, which is like that streak of empathy. You know, like Frodo being able to empathize with Gollum despite the worst is happening here as well. Yeah. But there's a really interesting, like, productive, like, back and forth here between, like, Frodo... Frodo is unwilling to commit violence anymore at this point in his life because of what he's been through. Between mm-hmm. that and Mary being, like, the only way to get the fascists out of our out of our house is to like beat them the fuck up and make them go. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it, they're both right. They're yeah. both right here. Like it's, yeah, there's no clear, like, well, Frodo's wrong or Mary is wrong. Like it, they do have to, like, they end up killing some people. Yeah. It is required to make things right. And, you know, Frodo is right about Lotho. Yeah. And, right to not want violence yeah yeah exactly yeah i just thought at this moment i mean we were just saying like these books stay like weirdly relevant and you know it doesn't like perfectly map onto politics no, but... but like <laughs> the the indictment of modern liberalism like you won't rescue anyone by being shocked and sad yeah yeah and i mean this whole thing it's like all of these hobbits are pretty quickly roused once they start to make that happen but it's like things oh yeah here um raise the shire said mary now wake all our people they hate all this you can see all of them except perhaps one or two rascals and a few fools that want to be important but don't at all understand what is really going on but shire folk have been so comfortable so long they don't know what to do they just want a match though and they'll go up in fire but he's like if we wait we're going to sort of get divided and like we have to act now before the other side can take any action and we have the advantage of this like one big uprising. Everyone kind of splits up again to try and like check in on their people and like rally. Yeah, they find out that Pippin's dad has- (laughs) Pippin's dad was like not having any of it all along. Right. And so the, the sort of Took estate or lands has been protected by the Tooks. So Pippin goes to round up the Tooks. Sam goes to Farmer Cotton, Rosie's dad, to to get people there. And we have to this we have to talk about this Sam and Rosie interaction. I know we we both have, you know, kind of feelings about that, but I genuinely love this interaction. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Sam can be bisexual. I'm not, like, erasing his his whatever with Rosie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I just love, I love this, like, they see each other for the first time. And Sam says, hello, Rosie. Hello, Sam, said Rosie. Where have you been? They said you were dead, but I've been expecting you since the spring. You haven't hurried, have you? <laughs> Perhaps not, said Sam abashed, but I'm hurrying now. We're setting about the ruffians, and I've got to get back to Mr. Frodo. But I thought I'd have a look and see how Mrs. Cotton was keeping, and you, Rosie. 
Um, and Rosie says, well, be off with you. If you've been looking after Mr. Frodo all this while, what do you want to leave him for as soon as things look dangerous? That was too much for Sam. It needed a week's answer or none. He turned away and mounted his <laughs> pony. <laughs> but as he started off, Rosie ran down the steps. I think you look fine, Sam, she said. Go on now, but take care of yourself and come straight back as soon as you have settled the ruffians. It's really good. Like, Frodo and Sam are obviously in love, like, textually, but there's also a lot of textual support for a throuple here, you know? Yeah. And and Rosie sort of, like, recognizing and supporting that. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Also, I love... Sam, I am not projecting onto Sam. I am not owned. <laughs> Sam, uh-huh. I love Sam being just fucking roasted and teased by everyone who loves him and who he loves. It's really good. Yeah. I, I think we can skip most of the actual... Yeah. They get some background. They, like, have some combat and things. And they keep hearing about Sharky. Mary says, who is this Sharky? I heard one of the ruffians speak of him. Cotton says, the biggest ruffian of the lot, seemingly. It was about last harvest, end of September, maybe, that we first heard of him. We've never seen him, but he's up at Bag End, and he's the real chief now, I guess. All the ruffians do what he says, and what he says is mostly, hack, burn, and ruin, and now it's come to killing. There's no longer even any bad sense in it. They cut down trees and let them lie. They burn houses and build no more. He took over a mill that now is always a hammering and a letting out a smoke and a stench, and they pour out filth on purpose. They fouled all the lower water, and it's getting down into brandy wine. And we eventually realize that Sharky is, of course, Saruman. Yeah, there, there's a great moment. S- Sam goes and retrieves his old gaffer, and gaffer and frodo mm-hmm. mean and gaffer is like uh it seems like maybe you guys eloped while you were away <laughs> um mr frodo baggins is a real gentle hobbit i always have said whatever you may think of some others of the name begging your pardon and i hope my sam's behaved himself and given satisfaction and in the most like austinian response frodo says perfect satisfaction mr gamgee if you will believe it He's now one of the most famous people in all the lands, and they are making songs about his deeds from here to the sea and beyond the great river. Sam Sam blushed. blushed. But he looked gratefully at Frodo. It's good. Oh, the gaffer also says, it takes a lot of believing, though I can see he's been mixing in strange company. What's come of his waistcoat? I don't hold with wearing ironmongery, whether it wears well or no. What's a waistcoat? I didn't look it up, but I had the same thought. Let me do that right now. Thank you. Oh, it's a waistcoat. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, let's see. More combat. Some people die. They've done the battle and it says Frodo had been in the battle, but he had not drawn sword. And his chief part had been to prevent the hobbits in their wrath at their losses from slaying those of their enemies who threw down their weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so they're going toward Bag End. It was one of the saddest hours in their lives. The great chimney rose up before them, which they had spotted earlier. 
And as they drew near the old village across the water, through rows of new mean houses along each side of the road, they saw the new mill in all its frowning and dirty ugliness, a great brick building straddling the stream, which it fouled with a steaming and stinking outflow. All along the Bywater Road, every tree had been felled. As they crossed the bridge and looked up the hill, they gasped. Even Sam's vision in the mirror had not prepared him for what they saw. The old grange on the west side had been knocked down, and its place taken by rows of tarred sheds. All the chestnuts were gone. The banks and hedgerows were broken. Great wagons were standing in disorder in a field beaten bare of grass. Bagshot Row was a yawning sand and gravel quarry. Bag End up beyond could not be seen for a clutter of large huts. "'They've cut it down!' cried Sam. "'They've cut down the party tree!' He pointed to where the tree had stood under which Bilbo had made his farewell speech. It was lying lopped and dead in the field. As if this was the last straw, Sam burst into tears. Yeah. Hmm. I just want to say one thing here, which is that they have an interaction with a hobbit who has turned bad, basically. Yeah. And Sam says, no time for washing, but time for wall propping, because he's leaning against a wall. And then again, a few lines later, you are dirty and insolent, Sandyman. Um, and it's just interesting, the the focus on on dirtiness here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as soon as people go evil, their, like, personal hygiene goes out the window, and that's how you can tell that someone is evil. Well, <laughs> that that is a value among the hobbits. Yeah. I mean, because the, the same thing happens with Strider. Yes, they are suspicious of him because he's dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, I just, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. They go in. Oh, sorry. You were going to say something before I said that. Oh, just continuing this, like, and seeing, like, the wreckage of their home. At the top of the lane, the party halted, and Frodo and his friends went on, and they came at last to the once beloved place. It's bag end, and it's... In disarray. The garden was full of huts and sheds, some so near the old westward windows that they cut off all their light. There were piles of refuse everywhere. The door was scarred, the bell chain was dangling loose, and the bell would not ring. Knocking brought no answer. At length they pushed, and the door yielded. They went in. The place stank and was full of filth and disorder. It did not appear to have been used for some time. And, of course, there too. Greet them inside is Saruman. A sharky. Yes. Yeah, and they, they have some back and forth. The one line that I really wanted to talk about here is Saruman says to them, You thought you had done very well out of it all and could now just amble back and have a nice quiet time in the country. Saruman's home could be all wrecked and he could be turned out, but no one could touch yours. Oh no, Gandalf would look after your affairs. And he laughs. Not he. When his tools have done their task, he drops them, which is that's big X a, energy. Oh my yes, God. Yes, that's such a bitter X <laughs> yeah, line. Yeah, extremely. So he's saying all of these like nasty things. Oh, and he's also like, if you kill me, do it. Like my blood will curse the Shire forever. And Frodo, of course, is like, I will not have them slain. It is useless to meet revenge with revenge. It will heal nothing. 
tells him to go. Saruman calls for Wormtongue, just calling him Worm, Worm, who comes crawling almost like a dog. And they turn to go. And as Saruman passes close to Frodo, he tries to stab him. Saruman tries to stab Frodo, but he's wearing the mithril mail. And so he's fine. And Frodo is like, nope, still don't kill him. Yeah. And this is, he says, uh, he was great once and of a noble kind that we should not dare to raise our hands against. He is fallen and his cure is beyond us, but I would still spare him in the hope that he may find it. Yeah. That's straight from Gandalf's mouth. Like, yeah, it's really good. Yes. And then Saruman says, well, he stares at Frodo. There was a strange look in his eyes of mingled wonder and respect and hatred. Probably because Frodo is suddenly talking like his ex. You have grown, halfling, he said. Yes, you have grown very much. You are wise and cruel. You have robbed my revenge of sweetness. And now I must go hence in bitterness, in debt to your mercy. I hate it and you. Well, I go and I will trouble you no more. But do not expect me to wish you health and long life. You will have neither. But that is not my doing. I merely foretell. And he goes, Frodo offers Wormtongue a way out. He's like, you can stay here and find another path. Saruman is like, oh, he did evil. He killed Lotho. And Wormtongue is like, you made me do that. And then Saruman continues to be just nasty to him and worm tongue kicks him in the face yeah yes and then worm tongue runs after him and stabs him no doesn't stab him cuts his throat cuts um, his throat i mean that which then, is a kind of stabbing yeah yes and a sideways stabbing and then three hobbits shoot worm tongue with arrows so then they're both dead i i think it's so like indicative of how frodo has i i, I love this through line of like seeing how he has changed because Gandalf did the same thing and they didn't even know it because they weren't together at the time. Like, I love how they, like, echo each other here. Like, Gandalf mm. also, like, yeah, when he had all of the power over Saruman, yeah. was willing to offer him, not, not like a clean slate, but, like, the ability to, like, learn and grow and be a, a different person who does not cause harm. Um, and, of course, Saruman, like, spit on that. Because Frodo Frodo loved Gandalf and learned from him that he is doing the same thing in the same situation. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, and then we're at chapter nine, the Grey Havens. There's something near the beginning of this chapter that uh, requires a little bit of context. In the last chapter, they found out that Lobelia Sackville Baggins had been thrown in jail because she, I don't know. Sassy was... too, some... Guards. sassy to some cops yeah. and they rescue her she insisted on hobbling out on her own feet and she had such a welcome and there was such clapping and cheering when she appeared leaning on frodo's arm but still clutching her umbrella that she was quite touched and drove away in tears she had never in her life been popular before but she was crushed by the news of lotho's murder and she would not return to bag end she gave it back to frodo and went to her own people the brace girdles of hardbottle when the poor creature died next spring, she was after all more than a hundred years old, Frodo was surprised and much moved. She had left all that remained of her money and of Lotho's for him to use in helping hobbits made homeless by the troubles. So that feud was ended. Sometimes the story and the characters can be so, um, 
It's, it's, you know, we've talked about this at length over this long ass podcast, but like sometimes there's these really incredible, like kind of moral nuances and sometimes it's really black and white. Um, so it's mm-hmm. nice to have this, like a person who was kind of like cartoonishly, like unpleasant and mean before, like yeah. has a change of heart and does material good. Yeah. They rebuild, they fix things up, they tear down the ugly new buildings. Um, and then it says, The trees were the worst loss and damage, for at Sharky's bidding they had been cut down recklessly, far and wide over the Shire, and Sam grieved over this more than anything else. For one thing, this hurt would take long to heal, and only his great-grandchildren, he thought, would see the Shire as it ought to be. Then suddenly one day, for he had been too busy for weeks to give a thought to his adventures, he remembered the gift of Galadriel. He brought the box out and showed it to the other travelers, for so they were now called by everyone, and asked their advice. I wondered when you would think of it, said Frodo. Open it. Inside it was filled with a gray dust, soft and fine, in the middle of which was a seed, like a small nut with a silver shale. What can I do with this? said Sam. Throw it in the air on a breezy day and let it do its work, said Pippin. On what? said Sam. Choose one spot as a nursery, and see what happens to the plants there, said Mary. But I'm sure the lady would not like me to keep it all for my own garden, now so many folk have suffered, said Sam. Use all the wits and knowledge you have of your own, Sam, said Frodo, and then use the gift to help your work and better it, and use it sparingly. There's not much here, and I expect every grain has a value. So Sam planted saplings in all the places where specially beautiful or beloved trees had been destroyed, and he put a grain of the precious dust in the soil at the root of each. He went up and down the shire in this labor, but if he paid special attention to Hobbiton and Bywater, no one blamed him. And at the end, he found that he still had a little of the dust left, so he went to the three-farthing stone, which is as near the center of the shire as no matter, and cast it in the air with his blessing. The little silver nut he planted in the party field where the tree had once been, and he wondered what would come of it. All through the winter he remained as patient as he could and tried to restrain himself from going round constantly to see if anything was happening. Sam trudging out into the snow every day to see if his seedlings have grown. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. And then I'm going to read one more um, paragraph. Spring surpassed his wildest hopes. His trees began to sprout and grow as if time was in a hurry and wished to make one year do for twenty. In the party field, a beautiful young sapling leaped up. It had silver bark and long leaves and burst into golden flowers in April. It was indeed a malorn, and it was the wonder of the neighborhood. In after years, as it grew in grace and beauty, it was known far and wide, and people would come long journeys to see it the only Malorn west of the mountains and east of the sea, and one of the finest in the world. I really love here and later in a few pages, Frodo specifically saying like one of Sam's greatest qualities is his wits and his knowledge, which is, you know, mm-hmm. he's like discounted in that yeah. in that way sometimes. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the next thing I have to talk about is this Sam and Frodo conversation. Yeah. After Bag End is ready, when Frodo says, when are you going to move in and join me, Sam? (laughs) Sam looked a bit awkward. (laughs) 
There is no need to come yet if you don't want to, said Frodo, but you know the gaffer is close at hand and he will be very well looked after by Widow Rumble. Oh, it's damn, not... he's getting looked after by Widow Rumble? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that, Mr. Frodo, said Sam, and he went very red. Well, what is it? It's Rosie, Rose Cotton, said Sam. It seems she didn't like my going abroad at all, poor lass, but as I hadn't spoken, she couldn't say so, and I didn't speak because I had a job to do first. But now I have spoken, and she says, Well, you've wasted a year, so why wait longer? Wasted, I says. I wouldn't call it that. Still, I see what she means. I feel torn in two, as you might say. I see, said Frodo. You want to get married, and yet you want to live with me in Bag End, too? But my dear Sam, how easy! Get married as soon as you can, and then move in with Rosie. There's room enough in Bag End for as big a family as you could wish for. Mm. And so it was settled. And if Sam thought himself lucky, Frodo knew that he was more lucky himself, for there was not a hobbit in the Shire that was looked after with such care. Yeah, and then it, it actually it mentions very briefly before that, Frodo is kind of having these periods of illness, and he is... Not necessarily hiding it from Sam, but he is not sharing that with Sam. Mm-hmm. So he, he has kind of several. Yeah. One evening, Sam came into the study and found his master looking very strange. He was very pale, and his eyes seemed to see things far away. What's the matter, Mr. Frodo? said Sam. I am wounded, he answered. Wounded. It will never really heal. But... Then he got up, and the turn seemed to pass, and he was quite himself the next day. It was not until afterwards that Sam recalled that the date was October the 6th, two years before on that day. It was dark in the dell under Weathertop. Yeah. This is unsustainable for Frodo. Yeah, but he's essentially trying not to burden Sam. Like, I mean, there's this line... Frodo was ill again in March, but with a great effort he concealed it, for Sam had other things to think about. The first of Sam and Rosie's children was born on the 25th of March. And then Sam asks Frodo what he should name the baby, because they were going to name him Frodo, but it's a girl. And Frodo says, well, like, choose a flower name, like, you know, Shire people usually do. do. (laughs) And... And Sam is like, okay, but it's got to be a beautiful flower. And Frodo says, well, Sam, what about Eleanor, the sun star? You remember the little golden flower in the grass of Lothlorien? You're right again, Mr. Frodo, said Sam, delighted. That's what I wanted. And then when little Eleanor was nearly six months old, Frodo calls Sam into the study and asks if Rose can spare him for a couple weeks so that you and I can go off together. You can't go far or for a long time now, of course, he said a little wistfully. Um, Sam says, I wish I could go all the way with you to Rivendell, Mr. Frodo, and see Mr. Bilbo, because it's just been Bilbo's... It's been Bilbo's... It, it, it is Bilbo, about... It's it is been about Bilbo's birthday. Bilbo's birthday. <laughs> yes. yes. It's too many bees. Uh, he, so he says, I wish I could go with you. And yet, the only place I really want to be is in, is in here. Can, will you just read this line? <laughs> and yet, the only place I really want to be in is here. I am that torn in two. Poor Sam. It will feel like that, I am afraid, said Frodo. But you will be healed. 
You were meant to be solid and whole, and you will be. And then Frodo organizes his papers and hands his keys to Sam and shows Sam the book that he has finished. Bilbo had written many titles (laughs) on it and crossed them out. And then Frodo had written The Downfall of the Lord of the Rings and The Return of the King. But he's left a few pages for Sam. Yeah, and then they um, they leave Frodo on the pony that had borne him all the way from Minas Tirith and was now called Strider and Sam on his beloved Bill. Love to name ponies after my friends. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just the two of them. They ride leisurely. They have a little camping on their way. Yeah, it's a nice time. It is a nice time. And um, he he realizes Frodo is singing softly to himself, singing the old walking song, but the words were not quite the same. Still round the corner there may wait a new road or a secret gate, and though I oft have passed them by, a day will come at last when I shall take the hidden paths that run west of the moon, east of the sun. And then answering voices sing in Elvish and then in English, and it's... Elrond and Galadriel and a bunch of other elves and also Bilbo. Uh, another horse reference. Uh, Galadriel sat upon what a white palfrey. palfrey. Love that word. Um, oh, and Bilbo is on a small gray pony. So they they all greet each other and Bilbo is like, hello, I think I'm quite ready to go on another journey. Are you coming? Yes, I am coming, said Frodo. The ring bearers should go together. Where are you going? cried Sam, though at last he understood what was happening. To the havens, Sam. (sighs) And I can't come. No, Sam. Not yet, anyway. Not further than the havens. Though you too were a ring-bearer, if only for a little while. Your time may come. Do not be too sad, Sam. You cannot always be torn in two. You will have to be one and whole for many years. You have so much to enjoy, and to be, and to do. But, said Sam, and tears started in his eyes, I thought you were going to enjoy the Shire too, for years and years, after all you have done. So I thought too, once. But I have been too deeply hurt, Sam. I tried to save the Shire, and it has been saved, but not for me. It must often be so, Sam, when things are in danger. Someone has to give them up, lose them, so that others may keep them. But you are my heir. All that I had and might have had I leave to you. And also you have Rose and Eleanor, and Frodo lad will come, and Rosy Lass and Mary and Goldilocks and Pippin, and perhaps more that I cannot see. Your hands and your wits will be needed everywhere. (sighs) So gay to tell someone your hands will be needed. Good God. (laughs) Yeah. So this is like, I I mean, I teared up reading Sam's line where he's crying. Um, Like this does get me and make me emotional. Like you said with Gandalf earlier, Elrond and Galadriel rode on for the third age was over and the days of the rings were past and an end was come of the story and song of those times. As they came to the gates, Círdan, the shipwright, came forth to greet them. Who is another... Very tall he was. Another axe. 
I mean... But like yeah. an amicable, yeah. A friendly ex, a maybe they're still sort of husband's ex, you know? Yeah, yeah. Very tall he was, and his beard was long, and he was gray and old, save that his eyes were keen as stars, and he looked at them and bowed and said, All is now ready. Then Cirdan led them to the havens, and there was a white ship lying, and upon the quay beside a great gray horse stood a figure robed all in weight, all stood a figure robed all in white awaiting them. As he turned and came towards them, Frodo saw that Gandalf now wore openly on his hand the third ring, Narya the Great, and the stone upon it was red as fire. Then those who were to go were glad, for they knew that Gandalf also would take ship with them. Earlier, it mentions that Elrond and Galadriel are each wearing their rings. So those, the three elven rings are all leaving. I like that Gandalf is already here because it means that he's been just hanging out with Círdan for a while. Yeah. He's also doing his farewell tour. Part of that is visiting his... Yeah. He's doing his farewell tour of axes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But Sam was now sorrowful at heart, and it seemed to him that if the parting would be bitter, more grievous still would be the long road home alone. But even as they stood there, and the elves were going aboard, and all was being made ready to depart, up rode Merry and Pippin in great haste, and amid his tears Pippin laughed. You tried to give us the slip once before and failed, Frodo, he said. This time you have nearly succeeded, but you have failed again. It was not Sam, though, that gave you away this time, but Gandalf himself. Yes, said Gandalf, for it will be better to ride back three together than one alone. Well, here at last, dear friends, on the shores of the sea comes the end of our fellowship in Middle-earth. Go in peace. I will not say do not weep, for not all tears are an evil. Then Frodo kissed Merry and Pippin, and last of all Sam, and went aboard, and the sails were drawn up, and the wind blew, and slowly the ship slipped away down the long grey firth and the light of the glass of Galadriel that Frodo bore glimmered and was lost. Frodo sees his own thing. Frodo smelled a sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the grey rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back, and he beheld white shores, and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. But to Sam, the evening deepened to darkness as he stood at the haven, and as he looked at the grey sea, he saw only a shadow on the waters that was soon lost in the west. There still he stood far into the night, hearing only the sigh and murmur of the waves on the shores of Middle-earth, and the sound of them sank deep into his heart. Beside him stood Merry and Pippin, and they were silent." And they ride home in silence, um, although it says each had great comfort in his friends on the long gray road. And Sam gets back to his home, and there was yellow light and fire within, and the evening meal was ready, and he was expected. And Rose drew him in and set him in his chair and put little Eleanor upon his lap. He drew a deep breath. Well, I'm back, he said. And that's the end. So you have some feelings about this being abrupt. No, I don't know. It hit me... Better this time? Yeah. 
Yeah, like I, I could not, yeah. I, I almost couldn't get through that last line that I was reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It does seem, it does seem better. I think the scouring still doesn't sit, it's not my favorite, but the yeah. Grey Haven sits better. I think some of it is just like my dissatisfaction with all endings ever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so that's what I was going to say is like, I don't know, we're feeling some of what Sam is feeling here, right? right? Like, there can't, there can't be a goodbye that actually feels like enough when you have that kind of relationship with somebody. Right. And yet life continues and he has, you know, things just go on. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, I feel like Tolkien here chooses to rather than try to capture the weight of this with words and maybe fail he he leaves more blank yeah if that makes sense yeah it's interesting because we've talked so much throughout these books for the last i mean it's been like a year and a half that he's mm-hmm. so good at capturing people's like emotional interiority and so it is interesting like here at the end of all things that like he does why am i crying now (laughs) i look i'm crying too bro (laughs) i just think sam is like numb i mean that's like that's what basically the lord of the rings is the book that frodo finishes right right but the last few pages are written by sam yeah we we received the book as as Frodo left it to Sam. Like we we don't get the you know the the end of the story. Well, I was gonna say that or this chapter this chapter is Sam writing, essentially, and it's too like you can't you can't fucking I don't know it's too much he can't he can't put that yeah. on paper. Yeah, it's this like. It's this interesting like juxtaposition of all the, the all these things that you can capture. Like you can capture this like beautiful like elegy for the world that is like changing around you and tell these really compelling stories mm-hmm. and also like with those same words like not meaningfully capture anything of like grief and what it's like to continue moving forward in the world without the people you love. Yeah. I did read the unpublished epilogue and cried like a fucking baby. Yeah, do you want to cry? Do you want to cry some more? Do you want me to read it this time? I super will not be able to read it aloud. (laughs) Let me me see what I can do. Um, I sent you a link to the text. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up. I, I don't know what I was like thinking and feeling earlier when I was like yeah it didn't hit like I guess it's I like I have the reaction like Sam had in the story of like well I'm I'm back (laughs) and then it's like it only it only becomes real in time yeah so for for context Tolkien wrote this but it was never published he wrote a different epilogue afterward. But this Christopher Tolkien published. What of this would you like to cover? I think the first like relevant part. So this is quite a bit 
forward in time, Eleanor is now mm-hmm. 15. And it's, in fact, Eleanor's birthday. Now Sam was having a bit of quiet. Supper was over, and only Eleanor was with him, still up because it was her birthday. She sat without a sound, staring at the fire, and now and again glancing at her father. She was a beautiful girl, more fair of skin than most hobbit maidens, and more slender, and the firelight glinted in her red-gold hair. To her, by gift, if not by inheritance, a memory of elven grace had descended. "'What are you doing, Sam Dad, dear?' she said at last. "'You said you were going to rest.' And I hoped you would talk to me. Just a moment, Eleanorel, said Sam, as she came and set her arms about him and peered over his shoulder. They're looking at the at the, book. the red book. Right. Yes. Anyways, she said it looks like questions and answers. And so it is, said Sam. Mr. Frodo, he left the last pages of the book to me, but I have never yet durst to put hand to them. I'm still making notes, as old Mr. Bilbo would have said. Here's all the many questions Mother Rose and you and the children have asked, and I am writing out the answers when I know them. Most of the questions are yours, because only you have heard all the book more than once. Um, And then it's things like, question, dwarves, etc. Frodo Lad <laughs> says he likes them best. What happened to Gimli? Have the mines of Moria been opened again? Are there any orcs left? And then, you know, his answers for the best. I, yes. I feel like we should read the horses ability. one because this is yes. shadow facts and then we'll jump forward to the and more relevant we'll part. Yes. That's what I figured too. Um, horses. Mary is interested in these <laughs> as in his child, Mary. Yeah. Very anxious for a pony of his own. How many horses did the riders lose in the battles? And have they got some more now? What happened to Legolas's horse? What did Gandalf do with shadow facts? Answer. Shadowfax went in the white ship with Gandalf, of course. I saw that myself. I also saw Legolas let his horse run free back to Rohan from Isengard. Mr. Meriadoc says he does not know how many horses were lost, but there are more than ever in Rohan now, because no one steals them any longer. The riders also have many ponies, especially in Harrowdale, white, brown, and grey. Next year, when he comes back from a visit to King Aomer, he means to bring one for his namesake. I love that Mary is not only, like, visiting, but he's bringing a pony back. I know. Uh. Then Eleanor says, don't write any more tonight. Talk to me, Sam Dad. Um, Eleanor was silent for some time before she spoke again. I did not understand at first what Celeborn meant when he said goodbye to the king, she said, but I think I do now. He knew that Lady Arwen would stay, but that Galadriel would leave him. I think it was very sad for him. And for you, dear Sam Dad. Her hand felt for his, and her brown hand clasped her slender fingers. For your treasure went too. I am glad Frodo of the Ring saw me, but I wish I could remember seeing him. It was sad, Eleanorel, said Sam, kissing her hair. It was, but isn't now. For why? Well, for one thing, Mr. Frodo has gone where the elven light isn't fading, and he deserved his reward. But I have had mine, too. I've had lots of treasures. I am a very rich hobbit. And there is one other reason, which I shall whisper to you, a secret I have never told before to no one, nor put in the book yet. Before he went, Mr. Frodo said that my time maybe would come. I can wait. I think maybe we haven't said farewell for good. 
but I can wait. I have learned that much from the elves at any rate. They are not so troubled about time, and so I think Celeborn is still happy among his trees, in an elvish way. His time hasn't come, and he isn't tired of his land yet. When he is tired, he can go. And when you're tired, you will go, Sam, Dad. You will go to the havens with the elves. Then I shall go with you. I shall not part with you like Arwen did with Elrond. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then he tries to send her to bed, but she is curious and sneaky like him sometimes. And she's um, kind of intercepted a letter of his, which is an invitation from King Aragorn, who is uh, coming to visit. Mm-hmm. Is there anything from there that you wanted to pull out? I don't think so. Okay. The last... Oh my god, I don't think I can read it. Yeah. um, I can do it, I can do it. Okay. They went in, and Sam shut the door. But even as he did so, he heard suddenly, deep and unstilled, the sigh and murmur of the sea upon the shores of Middle-earth. Oh! Yeah. So there it is. Tolkien fucking called Frodo. Tolkien called Frodo Sam's treasure. Treasure. And likened it to Celeborn losing his wife. And then it ends on like Sam hearing the sound of the sea. Oh, good God. Yeah. We'll post a link to this epilogue if you'd like to read it to yourself. And former guest of the show, Molly Knox Ostertag, has done a really wonderful um, comic of this this whole yes. exchange. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh. I have a couple appendix notes, but... Did you want um, to do those now or save those for an appendix? I, let's, let's do them now, if that's okay. Okay. I just have a couple things that I pulled from the appendix. Um, Here follows one of the last notes in the red book. This is from the very end of appendix A. We have heard tell that Legolas took Gimli Gloin's son with him because of their great friendship, greater than any that has been between elf and dwarf. If this is true, then it is strange indeed that a dwarf should be willing to leave Middle-earth for any love or that the Eldar should receive him, or that the Lords of the West should permit it. But it is said that Gimli went also out of desire to see again the beauty of Galadriel, and it may be that she, being mighty among the Eldar, obtained this grace for him. More cannot be said of this matter. But the important thing there is that fucking Gimli went with Legolas over the sea. Yeah. In Appendix B... There is a little background on Círdan. But at the end it became known... So this is about the Three Rings. But at the end it became known that they had been held at first by the three greatest of the Eldar, Gilgalad, Galadriel, and Círdan. Gilgalad or Gilgalad, I, I don't know, um, gave his ring to Elrond. Círdan later surrendered his to Mithrandir, a.k.a. Gandalf. For Círdan saw further and deeper than any other in Middle-earth, and he welcomed Mithrandir at the Grey Havens, knowing whence he came and whither he would return. Take this ring, he said, for your labors will be heavy, 
but it will support you in the weariness that you have taken upon yourself. For this is the ring of fire, and with it you may rekindle hearts in a world that grows chill. But as for me, my heart is with the sea, and I will dwell by the grey shores until the last ship sails. I will await you. That's a marriage proposal. Yeah. They fucking got married. Damn, good for them. In the year 1463, Faramir took, as in one of Pippin's children, Mary's Goldilocks, daughter of Samwise. Which is cute. Wow. 1482, Rosie Cotton, wife of Master Samwise, dies on Midyear's Day. On September 22, Samwise rides out from Bag End. He comes to the Tower Hills and is last seen by Eleanor, to whom he gives the Red Book, afterwards kept by the Fairbairns. Among them, the tradition is handed down from Eleanor that Samwise passed the Towers and went to the Grey Havens and passed over sea, last of the Ringbearers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when Aragorn finally died, um, apparently Merry and Pippin were buried like beside him on either side of him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then Legolas built a gray ship in Athelion and sailed down Anduin and so over sea, and with him, it is said, went Gimli the dwarf. And when that ship passed, an end was come in Middle-earth of the Fellowship of the Ring. <sighs> I don't know that I have any, like, grand statements here at the end. I think we'll be... We'll be back for sure with at least one more movie episode and maybe a few more after that to like wrap up. Yeah, we'll see. What a what a fucking ride. Yeah. What a gallop. Good book. Hey, if you haven't read The Lord of the Rings, I recommend it. You really should. It's good. It's <laughs> much gayer than advertised and extremely full of feelings. Like... <laughs> Both in that it will yeah. cause yeah. feelings in the reader, and also it is a text explicitly about emotions and navigating them, and also sword fights and horses. Yeah. Second vow, what was your favorite horse? I like Galadriel's white palfrey because I love I love the word palfrey. The return of Bill the Pony for me, but secondarily Strider the yeah, Pony. Yeah, of course. Um, did you know that Return of the King actually refers to Bill's return? <laughs> uh, okay, so I have already read the song that we are doing today because it is in the chapters. Yeah. Another variation on um, Bilbo's old walking song, which we have done several verses of. Have we? Yeah. I mean, I know we've done it at least once, but have we done several verses of? Yeah, we sure have. Several is like five or more. Okay. No, that's not. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Actually, no. I I love you. I'm not talking with numbers about you right now. I simply, I'm in too emotionally vulnerable a state from finishing the books. We're not doing it. We have covered, we have covered two other verses of it. Okay. The word for that is a couple. Shut Um. up. Oh my god, the podcast is over. (laughs) We made it. We limped across the finish line and now it's all fucking done. God. Okay, what what do you want? This has been such a, um, I don't know, heavy episode. Yeah. 
in terms of content and and I think it would be jarring to change that now but I also like don't I want this to be I don't know to have some hope yeah okay I'm trying to think I want to you know keep the horses theme but I also want to make this about like Sam eventually joining Frodo yeah and I'm wondering if we can make it like a comparison where Sam is essentially saying like the way that I was parted from you, but you returned to me, Bill the Pony. I have been parted from Frodo, but will be returned to him. That's a... Yeah? I love it. It's a tall order for six lines. Six lines. A verse. But we'll see what we can do. Okay. I love... You know, a day will come at last when I shall take the hidden paths that run west of the moon, east of the sun. And we may change those last two lines somewhat to fit in sort of more relevant info. But I right. I like that a day will come at last when I shall take the hidden line. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think this is doable. Like the 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 line about like having passed by these objects, like the road and the gate. Feels mm-hmm. like that could be an important pivot point. Mm-hmm. I think we might want to work backwards in this poem because I think we need to nail mm. where we're ending up. Mm-hmm. So that shall take the hidden paths that run west of the moon and east of the sun. Yeah. Okay. But I don't want to keep those lines totally intact. And I will no, explain no, no. It's... why in a second. Yeah. Well, I, I think they don't fully apply here either but like shall Mm -hmm. take the hidden paths that run could easily be like shall shall find my way back to him Mm -hmm. could and then that second line could either be about like so that we can be together again because that's kind of a half rhyme with him or it could be like just like you did bill (laughs) bill's coming too we know horses can go to the gray havens bill's coming Mm mm-hmm do you think Bill gets to go to the Grey Havens? Oh, yeah. Bill's a very long-lived Absolutely. pony. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. Look, that blessing that Gandalf put oh, on Oh, it was him, powerful stuff. He cranked that shit to 11. Yeah. Okay, I gotta look up the rhyming dictionary. I have a, I have a thought here. Oh. I just need... Okay, are you coming out swinging? Maybe. For the audience we've cut most of it out as we've gone because it's not very fun audio like listening to us get extremely lost in the sauce about uh, uh, trying to keep the list of song straights using various wikis and having different editions of the book so pages aren't you know the p- page mm-hmm. numbers don't line up between us and then we just today <laughs> realized that in the index there is a list of songs <laughs> Both by their title. Yes, like there is a specific song index in the fucking that book. That has not only their title, but the first line, which would have made the last year and a half of our lives so much easier. Uh, but yep. now we have it. Okay, I don't, I'm, I don't have it. Okay, that's fine. I ha- here's what I have. Yeah, give, give me the pieces. A day will come at last when I shall find my winding way to him. Okay. But I need one more line, and it could be, 
It could be about Bill coming along. It could be that comparison to Bill, although that could also easily go before. It could be like, there's dim is a rhyme here. So it could be like before, I don't know, my... Mm, I feel like anything with dim is going to be a bummer. Yeah, it could be like before the, you know, lights in our hearts do dim. <laughs> but the, that's the thing. The lights in their hearts are never going to dim. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair. Um, There's whim. There's swim. <laughs> I'll get oh, to him if I have oh, to swim. <laughs> okay, yes. Shall find my winding way to him by boat i hope <laughs> but else i'll swim by boat i hope or else i'll swim is that what you said yeah yeah i said but else which is not really how we say things but it is how tolkien says things um but or Good else work. is fine yeah it's a little it's it's totally it's, a little goofy but it's also you know yeah it's, you know yeah, let's let's keep it for now. I am I am open to changing it, but let's I think that does the job enough for us to go back and and set us up. Yes, certainly. For the ending. Hmm. This particular stanza extremely has the cadence of an Auden poem to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Still round the corner there may wait. A new road or a secret gate. Just as we once were torn apart. What about the first line being life's path off splits from those we love? Hmm. But then we have to rhyme love. Dove, glove, of, shove, above, thereof. Hmm. Okay, um, give me a moment. What do you have? Okay, life's path oft splits from those we love, as once my pony Bill knows of. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good, because that feels like Uh, Sam. Yes, but just as something something... Rhymes with I. A day will come at last when I shall find my winding way to you, my love across the sea so blue. Oh, that's not bad. I like that line. I feel like by boat I hope or else I'll swim is growing on me. It's less serious, but... Sam does have such a, like... It it is Sam voice, right? His yeah. sort of dogged determination. Yeah. No, I think, I think we should like keep... That's, okay. I just... Here's the thing. Right now, we don't have Frodo's name anywhere in this, and so him is a little unclear, which is why I was thinking you mm-hmm. um, and making it, you know, Sam to Frodo. But we can figure that out. And I don't know that it needs, especially because we're writing it in such like Sam. Yeah. Okay. I can yeah, see yeah, yeah. this. This is like Sam talking to himself, you know? Yes. There's only one him for Sam. There's only one. Oh, God. There's only one him for Sam. <sighs> this third line. Yeah. Really what I'm trying to say is like, but just as 
you know, you and I, Bill, or just as Bill and I were reunited. Yeah. But it needs to rhyme, rhyme with, with I. I. We have bye, we have sigh, we have sky, we have cry, die, vi, nigh. But just as Bill was brought back nigh? Um, yeah. I don't want to say we t- we say Bill in the last line. Life path off split from those we love as once. What what was your second line? As once my pony Bill knows of. Yes. Oh, so we don't. We actually don't need but just as there because as once is set up in the previous line. Like, yeah, but that's that's as once is attached to the to the to that previous line. It's life's path off splits from those we love as once my pony Bill knows of, comma. But just as Bill was brought back nigh, a day will come at last when I. It's those, you know. What is the as once doing there if it's not setting up the next line? It's saying that my pony Bill is an example of life's path oft splitting us apart. It's it's connecting it to that. And then, but just as is connecting, they're reuniting to Sam's prediction for his future. Okay. Like, that's a complete thought. I, yeah, I, I, yes, I guess. I think you can also read it as, like, the way that I was reading it is, like, as two separate things. It's like, life's path off splits from those we love. And then my pony Bill's knows of as once, like, once we were yeah, reunited. No, that's the way no, I that's was not, reading it. That is not my intention. But reworking that line a little bit might be helpful. <clears throat> I see what you're saying. Like, yes, that can attach those two. And then we have it. But that feels like kind of a lot of unnecessary linking words. When yeah. maybe we could get yeah, something fair. meatier in there. You know? Am I being overly picky? Um, I, not necessarily. <sighs> Rhymes with I. Mm, die. <laughs> Life's path oft splits from those we love, as once my pony Bill knows of. We, we reunite. I thought he'd die. A day will come at last when I... <laughs> I just, I understand what you're saying about the linking words, but it is not working for me without them. (laughs) That's, I feel like I'm on the opposite side where like that as once feels really floaty to me if we have linking words in the next one. It works. Give me two minutes. I want to see if I can re, maybe rewrite so that we're not rhyming with I. Well, okay, here's one easy way to do it. For me, a day will come at last. Oh, although shall find no, does... needs to yeah. connect to I. So, yeah. Although, when I shall find my way to him could be... Like, we could cut winding and put the when I at in the next line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I... This might work out. Um, Okay, we may still have to rework this earlier line with a different rhyme, but how's this? 
Life's path oft splits from those we love, as once my pony Bill knows of. My steed and I were brought back nigh, and so a day will come at Wait, and so a day will come at last. Oh, right, because we don't need to. So I, this will, nigh will rhyme with last instead. I don't know what that line will be, but my seed and I were brought back past. <laughs> and so a day will come at last when I shall find my way to him by boat, I hope, but else I'll swim. Yeah, yeah, that totally works. I mean, but you could also, my seed and I were brought back nigh and then still... If that's an easier, we can keep, you can keep nigh and rhyme that line with I. We'll come back to it if we have to. But by putting and so in front of a day will come at last, that's the linking I need. And then I don't have to have it in the previous line right up against the other linking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that removes that double that was sitting so weirdly, I think. Okay, so we have to get brought nigh to rhyme with last. Yes, which, like, we could do sort of anything with that line. It has to be about reuniting. But Yeah. Um, my steed and I remained steadfast, and so a day will come at last when I shall find my way to him. By boat I help or else I swim. Yeah, I well, I think that works, but that's like, because it's like the steed and you actually get reunited. Like, you don't need to remain, remain steadfast because you're actually back together. <laughs> He's remaining steadfast about Frodo in the hopes that they will be physically reunited as he and Bill are. Yeah, I it guess- It is a nice rhyme. I guess I'm thinking, like, it, the implication there is that because we remained steadfast, we were reunited- and so oh, I see because yeah, because I mean, this is because Sam is saying that I'll make it happen. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yes. This works. Remained steadfast in the past tense because that's that helps. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Would you like to do the honors of a read or should we split? We can split. Do you want to do every other line? Do you can we keep up that continuity? We can probably do that. Okay. Start. Life's path oft splits from those we love. As once my pony Bill knows of. My steed and I remain steadfast. And so a day will come at last. When I shall find my way to him. By boat, I hope, but else I'll swim. <sighs> wow. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I am sad to say the beacons are not lit, which is narratively appropriate because... <laughs> Gondor is no longer in peril, but yeah. we are coming up on the, the very bitter end. So if you have any questions yeah. or know anyone who, even if they don't listen to the podcast, but like Lord of the Rings or like horses and you have a goofy or a serious question, please send them our way. We would love to have that for the end of all things. Yeah. Take your chance now while we're still here. Before we sail away. To the Grey Havens. Across the sea. Well, I guess from the Grey Havens. Before we sail from the Grey Havens to, to the, the beyond. beyond. Uh, next time, someday in the future, we will publish an episode covering more of the movie. Possibly the rest of the movie, but I don't know. Remains to be seen. Until then. Um, I don't know. I see it's this is the this is the fucking thing. Tolkien was like I want to end this book profoundly but like ha, 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 how
Do you hear the sea? I do. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all!